you have your Bibles, go ahead and open to Romans chapter 12. Romans 12. Romans 12. I want to welcome everyone. If you're visiting, great, great to see you. We have been in a series since the beginning of the year on transformation. And Romans 12, verses 1 and 2, have been our foundational verses for the year. And we're going to continue looking at another aspect of transformation this morning. Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. Let's go ahead and uh, we'll read those together and then we'll pray. All right, Romans 12, verse 1 and 2. Ready, begin. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you again for the privilege to gather. Thank you, Lord, for the transformation that has happened and is happening even as we gather this morning. Thank you for answers to prayers. Thank you for who you are. And now, Lord, um, your word says that we are transformed by the renewing of our minds. And fundamentally, that is through Scripture. In fact, Jesus says we are sanctified, set apart, made holy by your word, and your word is truth. And so, Lord, uh, we acknowledge our absolute dependence upon the Holy Spirit to understand and to apply your truth. So speak to us corporately, Lord, speak to us individually as we all continue on this sanctification, this transformation process, Lord. So so we love you, we yield, we submit uh, to your truth and ask that your will be done. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, transformation. What's the M word? That transformation means what? Metamorphosis, right? Metamorphosis. When you put your faith in Christ, you begin a journey of metamorphosis, which is, you know, we saw the slide you often see is the caterpillar to the butterfly, right? And as believers, Christianity is so much more than a bunch of do's and don'ts. Christianity, we said, is so much more than being good and happy, right? A lot of people think, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. I'm a good moral person. Oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. It's just about being good and happy, right? Right? No, we've seen over the first half of the year that fundamentally when you walk with Jesus, you are engaged in a supernatural metamorphosis where from the inside out, God wants to transform you into the image of who? Jesus, right? It's a relationship of transformation. And then we kind of have slid into the last month or so and we ask ourselves, but why? Why be transformed? What's, what's the ultimate motive, right? And, and that question may seem rather simple until you sort of peel back some layers in how the church operates in this country. And oftentimes, um, unfortunately, what is taught is that, well, come to Jesus and you'll, your sins will be forgiven, right? And, and you'll, you'll have home and is in heaven and all of that but while you're on this planet the church and jesus is all about you you know and 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 the teaching a very common teaching uh, unfortunately in the church today is that come to jesus and then he's here to meet your needs and serve you and and the church is 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 just all about you and all the programs and the worship and the teaching and the food and the building it's really catering to you and that is a very prevalent very it it, it is such a a deep uh sort of teaching that you know what we're not even aware of it because we are raised in a culture really okay outside the church that it's all about you 
even with the best of intentions. Hey, be all you can be. Right. So so we are raised even outside the church pursuing what we want, pursuing success, pursuing the American dream. And so we go through all the processes and quite frankly, everything ultimately filters back to me. And am I happy? Am I content? Am I? Am I? Am I? And then all of a sudden we, we, we slide into conditional happiness. I'll be happy if or if this, then I'll be happy. If this, then. See how it, it, it's all about me and it's me and it's me. And if we're not careful, we bring this meism into the church. And sometimes we enter churches with a very critical attitude. Hmm. Let's just visit that church and let's just sit in the back. And I'm just going to take note. Right? What do you call that? The T-chart? The pros and the cons. And we sit in the back and, and we, we even come to churches. And I'm not saying that you don't evaluate churches. I'm not saying there's nothing wrong with visiting churches. All of that. What I'm talking about is an attitude where we come in and we're evaluating a church primarily on what it does for me. Primarily what it does for me. Okay, I understand there's different bodies and different denominations. That's all fine, right? But we have to ask ourselves, you know, the title of the sermon today, why are you here? Why are you here? Now some, perhaps the younger generation, because I have to. And that's fine. I was a youth pastor for 15 years, so I know that because I have to. Many of you, because I want to. If you've been with us, especially since the beginning of the year, right? You know that. But why'd you get up this morning to come to this thing we call church? What was your motive? You know, what was it? You know, and like I said, as a youth pastor, I, I, I've seen it all, right? I know all the motives people come to youth ministry. You guys got the best food. You guys have the best games. You play cool music. All the cute girls come here. The motives run the whole gamut. And so this morning, as we gather, why are you here? Why'd you gather this morning? Why'd you, why'd you get up, right? It's Sunday. Yeah, right? This apartment complex right now, we could probably go knock on some doors and they're still sleeping. Because this is kind of an early church service, so kudos to you guys. Kudos, kudos, kudos to you guys. When we were here for a couple of years on Saturdays and we would start at 6 or 7 after a long Saturday, whoo, you guys were the troopers who came Saturdays for a couple of years. Sunday 9, still kind of early for Ojai, right? Still kind of early. So you made the effort. You're here, right? So turn to the person next to you and say, I'm so proud of you. Just, 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 I'm so proud of you. You got here. You got here. You're here. You're here. Right. But why? But why? Right. And we've been we've been examining kind of this this core biblical truth. And and here's the challenge. okay? and it's been a challenge for me. The simplicity of the truth is what makes it challenge because it's really easy to dismiss it. It's really easy to to dismiss what we've been covering. And I and I challenge you. That's why we're just going to take a little a little step forward. The simplicity of these verses, they don't require a lot of Greek. They don't require a lot of contextual understanding. The verses speak for themselves. The challenge is to take it home and to ask yourself, hmm, why do I do what I do? Why am I here? Why did I come to church this morning? Was it to get or to give? Or a mixture? Right? Or a mixture. And so... We've been looking and, and at the importance of renewing our mind. And, and what is our mind set on? In Colossians 3, it says, set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. So if we're going to renew our minds, we have to be aware of what are you setting your mind on? And so sometimes in the church, our mind, even as Christians, we're set on circumstance. Our mind tends to be focused on circumstance. We looked at that. We said, okay, sometimes our mind is set on competing idols, the things of the world. That, that could be your mindset. Sometimes we said that our mind could be set on consumerism. It's all about me. And the last few weeks we've been saying, okay, so if it's not circumstance, if it's not 
competing idols of the world values, if it's not consumerism, what should our mindset be to have clarity on our purpose, right? To have clarity on our purpose about why we do what we do. 2 Corinthians 5.15 uh, says this, He died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for Him who died for them and was raised again. Woo! Did you catch that? Those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for Him who died for them and was raised again. Did you catch that? As a believer, here's the thing. You're not to be living. I'm not to be living for myself anymore. Now, I, I believe me. I, before I was a pastor, I was, a, if you want to call it, an average Christian who would go to church. And quite frankly, every Sunday, I would get up and we would drive 30 to 45 minutes to the church we were going to in San Diego because it was about me. And serving and all the giving and all that stuff was sort of secondary if it fit me and my schedule and my convenience and what I want. It was, it was really, I was still living for myself, but I put a Christian veneer on it. And if we're not careful, we can speak Christianese, we can be very involved in a church, we can even go on mission trips, and it's still about me. I'm still living for me because I go on a mission trip for what I'm going to get out of it. I serve for what I'm going to get out of it. And it, it, it's, a, it's a very, very, uh, it's a very, very subtle trap that we can slide into. That's why the, don't let the simplicity of, of this just go, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Take the time to, to, to examine your life and ask yourself how many things in your life are really rooted in living for yourself. Versus living for Him. And it, 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 it could be a very eye-opening, painful experience. It has been for me. I've, I've been deeply challenged. Because I have found out uh, that areas that I was just blind to, and I was comfortable in, you know why I was comfortable? Because I was comfortable. I was living for me. So based on my standard, based on my level of what I considered Christian, I was just complacent, became apathetic, became comfortable because it was still filtered through me versus the lens, first and foremost, of Scripture. So it's, it's, it's challenging to say, okay, Lord, how much of my life, my time, my resources, my energy is really coming from a, a self-centered me? Where, where 2 Corinthians 5.15 says, you shouldn't live for yourself. Live for Him. Live for Him, right? So turn to 1 Peter 2.9. We've been talking about purpose. It's to your right in your Bibles from Romans, several books, Hebrews, James, 1 Peter 2 9. All right? Two key verses that we've been looking at. Two key verses. Just want to bring everyone back up to speed since we have so many visitors. 1 Peter 2 9. All right? 1 Peter 2.9, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful life. What was the key word after the comma? That. That is a purpose statement. Okay? And that applies to all of us. We celebrate the first phrase, right? It says that. That's where God is saying, okay, here's the why. Here's the answer to the why. You're, you are all these beautiful things. You're chosen. You're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. You're a people belonging to God. That, 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 what? You may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonder. See, that word changes from me to him. That fast. You are a royal, a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. That. It's all about him. That he gets all the glory. Okay? Go back to Matthew 5, verses we looked at again. Matthew 5, 16. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew's the first book of the New Testament. Matthew 5, 16. Actually, 14 through 16, right? Matthew 5, 14 through 16. You are the light of the world. 
A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. Right? There's a purpose. There's a purpose for a lamp. In the same way, let your light shine before men that, everyone say that. Okay, here's the purpose. They may see your good work, good deeds, and praise your Father in heaven. Being light is not about me. I'm to be light. We are to be light so that who gets the glory? God, right? God. Years ago when we taught on the church, I brought this in and I love this because I keep this in my office. You know what this reminds me of? Can you kill the lights for me? Can't see this. You know what this reminds me of? You. Because he says we are light. Right? We're called to be light. And so on Sundays we do this. And then when we dismiss into the valley, we do this. This reminds me of you. We gather. Church service. 9 a.m. Look for yourself. You're in there. We say amen. We break the huddle. And we're to be dispersed. To be light. Why? To glorify Him. That, that people would see our good deeds and give Him the praise. That's the why. Amen? Amen? This starts to bring a lot of clarity. Go ahead, Chai. Thank you. This helps to bring a lot of clarity because... If you don't understand the why, then Christianity can just become a bunch of activity, a bunch of disjointed, unrelated things. Why read Scripture? Why pray? Why serve? Why give? Why go on a mission trip? It all just becomes disjointed busyness if you're not clear on the core purpose to glorify Him. It's the hub. It's the hub, right? Last week we saw even corporately, Romans 15.5 says, May the God who gives endurance, he's speaking to the church at Rome, may the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you a spirit of unity among yourselves as you follow Christ Jesus, so that with one heart and mouth, you, the church, may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is awesome. See, we're to go out individually and give God glory. But here's the great thing. When we do this, we're still supposed to give him glory. We're still supposed, just so you know, my heart for Ojai Valley Christian Fellowship is not to be the biggest, baddest anything in this valley. We're not competing with other churches. We're not in a comparison mode. Whether we stayed at 20 in Cindy's living room, or we stayed at 40 when we went to Saturdays, or what God has brought in six months here, we kind of doubled this year. It doesn't matter, because corporately we're to give Him the glory. Amen? And so as, as long as we keep that right and that focused, we can grow to 5,000 for all I care. Because that's just 5,000 more people giving God the glory. Amen? That's what it's about. It's not to turn inward and, 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 and all of a sudden, you know, kind of puff your chest out and walk around. Oh, hi, hey, what church do you go to? Right? You remember when you're talking on the church and I said, no, please don't call this Richie's church. Because I know you guys were saying that when we first started. Hey, I'm going to Richie's church. And I don't say that. It's not right. And then Carl makes me a mug. And big letters in my office. It says Richie's church. And I'm like, I'm like, Carl, why'd you do that? It's not my church. I don't want that weight. Are you kidding me? I know you guys started to joke with me on that. It's not my church. It's his church. I have a gift and a role to play just like you. And together, as we fulfill our gifts and our roles, we get him the glory. That's why I said when you parked your cars and you walked in the building, you were giving God the glory. When the people at the music festival show up and now they don't have parking. Because you took it. And they go, where are all these cars? Oh, it's that church. That many people are in there? Yeah. Who gets the glory for that? God, because there's still people in 2016 in the Ojai Valley who get up to go to 9 o'clock church. Amen? Because he's worth it. Just by getting up and coming, you're declaring his praise. You're telling the community, my God, my relationship with him means so much, I'm going to get up. Right? We got graduation coming up. My brother and my brother-in-law, they want to play golf this coming Friday. At sunrise... 
because there's, they, have to do, they have work and stuff to do. And I'm like, okay. It's worth it. That it's important to me to be with them and build a relationship. Okay, we'll do that. We do, people do what they want. What, we do what's worth it to us. We get to movies on time. How many of you dread getting to a movie? Late. You're early, right? And then you sit through 15 minutes of previews anyway, right? There, think of the things in your life that's like, I got to be there. It's important to me, right? When you do that for God and church, it's declaring his praise. It's worth it. It's worth it. All the cars, all the cars right now are declaring God's praise. Because the community, whoever drives by and walks by, knows that something is happening in here. They know what we stand for. They know, you know our statement of faith. They know we're Bible-believing, all of that. It's declaring his praise. And here's the great thing. You're doing it. You are a part of something bigger than yourself. And isn't that something that, that, that we all want to be a part of something? Something meaningful. Something significant. Something far bigger than my own desires. We all want to be a part of something lasting. Something that, that matters for eternity. Something that matters and changes lives. Well, here's the thing. You are. As part of the church, as part of God's kingdom, as part of the body of Christ, you are already part of something much bigger than yourself. Much bigger. That's going to outlast you. And all we get to do is the privilege to be a part of it for this short time we're on this planet. I'm willing to lay it all out for that. So when all is said and done, and it's time to go home to the Lord, you could say, oh yeah, I fought the good fight. And then you come home and he says, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done, good and faithful servant. Yeah, but, but all I did was prep the fellowship hall. Well done, good and faithful servant. You blessed many after church. Yeah, but all I did was, was the soundboard. Well done, good and faithful servant. You blessed many because the sound was right. There is no little and there is no big in God's kingdom. It's all big. It's all big because it all matters. Because we're doing it for His glory. Amen? That's the freedom. That's the joy we have. Right? So, so we're looking at this. And then last week, turn to Romans. Romans 13, we said, okay, so how do you do that? What's one of the practical ways we can glorify God? Romans 13, we saw this. Romans 13, verse 11, we'll start there. Romans 13, 11. And do this, understanding the present time. The hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber. Because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime. Not in orgies and drunkenness. Not in sexual immorality and debauchery. Not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. And do not think about how to gratify the desires of the sinful nature. In the New King James Version, Roman, uh, verse 14 says, But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill them. The, the word picture is clothing. And 100% of you put on clothing this morning. And that clothing came with you to church. And it should leave with you, Okay. But you put on the clothes. He says, hey, in the same way, put on Christ. Every morning you get up, put on Christ. Appropriate everything you have. Because you've been given everything that pertains to life and godliness. You have the Holy Spirit. You have His Word. Put it on and take Jesus wherever you go. I told you last week about the privilege I had to, to over officiate uh, the wedding of Larry Swallow's son last Saturday. And as part of that, to bless the family, I wore a pair of Larry Swallow's old cowboy boots that he gave me. I put them on. And at a certain part of the ceremony, I spoke to Josh and his new wife, kind of on behalf of Larry. And it was just an, an incredible challenge for me, but it was just a, a moment. And this verse just popped it. Put on Jesus. You have the privilege to put on Jesus and then display Him Wherever you go, 
to be his ambassador, to speak and represent him and be a part of his work on his behalf, right? And so, to give you an opportunity to, to, to grow in this area, in your bulletins, there was something that we had put in there, right? Romans 13, 14 says, put on Christ, clothe yourself. So, if you don't have one of these, you can put your hands up. Do we have any more of these floating around? You can put your hands up. I'm going to give you a, everyone get one of these. It says, clothe yourself with Christ. Now, we're just going to give you an opportunity, if you so desire, to do something very tangible, very real. Put on the name tag. It's a conscious choice you make. Conscious choice to put on this name tag. Now, there's going to be another conscious choice that's going to happen in about half an hour. After we say amen and we depart church. What are you going to do with that name tag? See, one Thursday, we, we, we rehearsed here on Thursdays, and I was reminded of this, Bill. One Thursday, I did this with the worship team. We put these on. It said Christian. And you know what we did? We walked to bliss. And we had yogurt sitting in bliss with our name tags on. You see, basically, here, here the, the evangelical church, just the church in general, the Christian church, we don't necessarily wear outer garments that signify our belief system. Even wearing a cross doesn't really mean much anymore in our culture. It's just so washed out. So sometimes that enables us to be stealth. Because nobody knows we're a Christian because we're not wearing something that would necessarily identify us. Unless, of course, we put on a Christian t-shirt. But how many of us act differently just because suddenly we have a Christian t-shirt on just asking. So if you were to wear this today, would it change anything? Now for some, I, I, I asked the worship team this question, Robert's like, no. <laughs> well, of course, Robert, you know, that's Robert. No. Others, oh, no. Anyone going to Ojai Emporium afterwards? Anyone going to go hang around family and friends later? Anyone going to go to work? What does this do? Create, creates a little change, potentially. It, it, it removes the compartmentalization. It's putting on Jesus. It's what we should be doing every day putting him on. This is just a little exercise to kind of go, huh. You want to put this on the back of your car? Oh, Ernie. Ernie. Right? What do people say about how you drive? <laughs> That's the Lord, Ernie. It's the Lord. That's why it keeps coming up. Put that, would you put that on your car? Huh? You see? So then the question becomes, oh man, what, what, what am I about then? What is it about? And this, this is where if you let, if you just take the time, you can, you can really start, okay Lord, which is, which, how much is about me? How much have I compartmentalized my Christianity into the in, internal, private versus the external stuff that people see? Who got caught up in that? Who did Jesus rail on about that? The Pharisees. Hey! The outside looks really good, but the inside, not so much. This right here kind of washes out that distinction. You take a deep breath. And people go, what's that say? Your name is Christian? I thought it was Mark. <laughs> right? Because what is Christian? It's Christ, I-A-N. It's Christ with a suffix that means belonging to Christ. If you profess to be a Christian... You are wearing, you are professing the name of Christ. The question is, 
besides your words, what does your life profess about Christ? Jesus says, hey, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I love that verse. Jesus came full of grace and truth. What was one of Jesus' primary missions, not just to seek and save the lost? He came to earth so that the people could understand the Father by Jesus' life. That's why he says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you've seen Christian, have we seen Christ? Does your life act accurately portray what it means to walk in covenant with Jesus? What is your life saying? What is your life saying about Christ? About what it means to be in relationship with Him? What, is, what does it say, right? And we saw, turn to Romans 2. Turn to Romans 2. The Apostle Paul was speaking to some Jews in the the church at Rome, and he kind of called them out. He kind of called them out. Romans 2, 17 to 24. He says, Now you, if you call yourself a Jew, if you rely on the law and brag about your relationship to God, if you know His will and approve what is superior because you are instructed by the law, if you are convinced that you are a guide for the blind, a light for those who are in the dark, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of the infants, of infants, because you have in the law the embodiment of knowledge and truth, you then who teach others, do you not teach yourself? You who preach against stealing, do you steal? You who say that people should not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do you rob temples? You who brag about the law, do you dishonor God by breaking the law? As it is written, God's name is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. He says, hey, guys, I was a Jew too, right? This apostle Paul, don't forget, he was a Jew. He says, hey, you're claiming this special relationship with God. You're claiming to be Jews. You're claiming to have the law. You're claiming to be light and, and all these wonderful things doing for God. And he says, but you know what, guys? I'm, i got to say it. i got to say it. The way you're living is causing God's name to be blasphemed by the Gentiles. God's name is being spoken ill of. You are dishonoring God's name by the way you're living. He's calling out the Jews. It's, 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 it's pretty straightforward. It's right to the heart. He says, hey, check yourself here. You're claiming Christians. You're claiming to have a new covenant with Jesus. You're claiming that you believe this is God's word. You're claiming that you serve and you do all this stuff in God's church. He says, but Christians, the way you're living, it's causing the, the people in the Ojai Valley, the non-believers, they're speaking ill of God's name. It's bringing God's name into ill repute. It's, it's, they're blaspheming God because these professing Christians are living just like the world. That's what he's saying. It's... It, it, it's pretty weighty. Turn to Ezekiel, Old Testament, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, right? Ezekiel 36, Old Testament, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, right? That helps you. You can look in table of contents. Ezekiel 36, 16. Ezekiel 36, 16. It says this, Again the word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, when the people of Israel were living in their own land, they defiled it by their conduct and their actions. Their conduct was like a woman's monthly uncleanness in my sight. So I poured out my wrath on them because they had shed blood in the land and because they had defiled it with their idols. I dispersed them among the nations and they were scattered throughout through the countries. I judged them according to their conduct and their actions. And wherever they went among the nations, they profaned my holy name. For it was said of them, these are the Lord's people and yet they had to leave his land. I had concern for my holy name, which the house of Israel profaned among the nations where they had gone. Therefore say to the house of Israel, this is what the sovereign Lord says, it is not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I'm going to do these things, but for the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned 
among the nations where you have gone. Wow. God takes his name very, very seriously. And what he's saying to the nation of Israel, hey, you know what? By your conduct and your actions, your sinful life, here's the crazy thing. He brought judgment upon them and he dispersed them. He sent them into exile. And here's the crazy thing. Who looked bad? God. People were judging God and making an opinion of God because of His people's actions. You see it? You see it? His people were sinning. They were caught up in the, the idolatry and defiling themselves with the, 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 the values and the sin of the, of the, of the pagan lands. God brings in judgment upon them for their conduct and actions, and He's the one that looks bad. Any of you as a parent ever had to bring discipline and correction lovingly to a son or daughter and felt that you looked bad? Why am I the bad guy? You, you get what I'm saying? Right? Suddenly like, man, Mark's kind of mean, isn't he? Right? He's just lovingly disciplining, right? But all of a sudden, hey, you know, Mark's Right, And suddenly Mark's name is being dragged through the mud when it was his actions are loving, but he has to do it based on the conduct of a child. That's what God is saying. He's saying, hey, Israelites, your conduct necessitated my judgment. You're sent out because of your conduct, but my name is being dragged through the mud. And that's what Paul is bringing back in Romans. He said, hey... Based on your life, what do the Gentiles say about God? About Christianity? About Christ? And this is where, I put in your notes, very important. Remember I told you that selfishness that that we're not aware of? Look what I put in your notes in parentheses. Impact of unholy living on God's name, parentheses, it's still not about you. See, here's the thing. If I choose a sinful action, an unholy, ungodly conduct, oftentimes as a believer, I create this false gap, this disconnect between my actions and what it's doing to God's name. Because it's just what I want to do. It's just my sinful behavior. It's just my thing. What would happen in my life and your life if we understood that even our unholy, sinful choices can dishonor God's name. It, it, it makes you step all the way back to examine your life as a whole. This is what it's done for me, from A to Z. And it's, been, it's a process. You start to look at it and go, Lord, what in my life have I just excused as my thing? Not realizing... That my thing was actually profaning and blaspheming your name. But I had become comfortable in it. I had settled it. The standard was me, no longer scripture. And so because I had become comfortable in it, become blinded, numb to it, this area of my life is, is, is resulting in blasphemy and profane, and the Gentiles profaning your name, and I'm not even aware anymore. I'm just not even aware because it's my thing. See, Years and years ago, about 10, maybe 10, 12 years ago, Wendy and I worked at youth ministry over at Community. And it was a big program, and we, would, we were running all kinds of stuff. And Wednesday and Thursday, I would just be consumed with prepping for games and snacks and teaching and worship. Da, 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 all this stuff, right? Because I wanted the best for all the kids who came. And one day, uh, my dear sister, who we developed such a good relationship that she will speak the truth. And she always had code words. Well, I don't know if you want to hear this. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, now what? Well, one day she came to me and says, you know, I just want to share something with you. I don't know if you're going to be too thrilled with it, but I think you should know. She says, some of the kids feel like you're not approachable. Moi? Who runs the games, preps the food, takes on trips, everything I do for them? I'm not approachable? And, and I, had, I had a choice to make at that point. I was either going to take the heart and, and seek the Lord and listen, or I was going to shut her down. 
and just continue on. And I understood the dynamic. Cause the more we talked, I understood what would happen is I was so consumed with running the program and getting it from A to B, right, that the kids felt like I was too busy to talk to. I didn't mean it. I didn't mean it. I, I had the best of intentions. I was consumed with doing good, doing God's work. But in my, in myself, you know, and do this and do it right. We're going to get there. Now it's a game. Now it's a do, 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 do. Inadvertently, I was sending the wrong message. You can't talk to Pastor Richie during program, even though he's the youth pastor. You can't talk to him because he's too busy. I share that with you because there may be things in your life that you just, not, you just don't see. You just don't see. Honestly. And, and it's good intentions. It's not bad. It's not evil. It's not sinful. You just, your, your life, your actions may just be communicating something you're completely blind and unaware of. And I was thankful for that conversation. Because based on that, you know, like, oh, I had to work through my own pride and my own, what are you talking about, you know? My own defensiveness, my own whatever. And I had to make conscious choices to re- realign my schedule when the kids are there, to go talk to them, to spend time after service hanging out based on the correction I received. Thank you for that. So what in our life might need correction? Is there something in your life and my life that we're just not seeing is sending out the wrong message? Sending out the wrong message. Okay? And so... Paul says this, and then turn to Titus. And, I, and this isn't this isn't necessarily a heavy thing, because I want to see. It's not a. This should be a privilege. It should be a wonderful privilege to glorify God. Look at Titus two. Titus two. It's after Timothy, right? Thessalonians, Timothy, Titus, two. Verse nine. So as we examine our lives, I'm going to ask you and challenge you, don't get all depressed and bummed out. That's not the point of this. The point is to smile. Everyone say smile. Turn to the person and say, hey, smile. Come on, it's not that bad. Smile. Smile, because everyone's like, oh, man, this is one of those messages. It's not one of them messages. And we're going to flip it real quick here. This is a message of joyful duty privilege. Everyone say joy. You and I have the incredible privilege and the joyful privilege to glorify God to this community. Amen? It is a joyful privilege. Look at Titus 2, 9 and 10. Teach slaves to be subject to their masters in everything, to try to please them, not to talk back to them, and not to steal from them, but to show that they can be fully trusted. So that, here we go, purpose, in every way they will make the teaching about God our Savior attractive. These are slaves in horrific living conditions. Horrific. And and, and in Titus, these believing slaves are saying, hey, even in this horrific living condition, you can glorify God. And you can make the gospel and the teaching attractive. How many of you by your life would love to adorn, make attractive the gospel? By your life. Hands up. Right? If you were here, we handed these out over Christmas. And it has Titus 2, 9 and 10. They're little ornaments. That word adorn, make attractive, is ornament. It's cosmeo. It's where we get the word cosmetics. How many of you put on cosmetics to make yourself look attractive? Mark, put your hand down there, buddy. All right. What is the purpose of cosmeo, of cosmetics? To enhance. Right? Our lives are to make attractive, to adorn cosmeo, the gospel. The teaching. There was a big Christmas tree here with all these ornaments. We handed them out and we said the tree is the gospel, is Jesus, is, is God, is, is the representation of everything we are as Christ. Our lives are to adorn the gospel. Each one of us plays a part. When you see a tree that's really cool, how many of you go, I like that tree? That's kind of, it draws you to the tree, right? Closer look. You're, you're drawn to the tree. Here's the glorious thing. Your life, and then us collectively can draw people to Christ. Amen? That's the privilege we have. Live your life in such a way that people are attracted and drawn to Jesus. That's the joy. That's the joy. You see, when people come here, 
I, we hear it all the time. You guys are so loving. It's joyful, good food, all that kind of stuff, right? What's it all designed to do? Draw people and make Jesus attractive. That's the whole point. That's why we gather, is to make him attractive, to point to him, to glorify him. Is your life an ornament for Jesus? Is it attractive? Is it attractive to him? That's wonderful. That should make you smile. I can do that. I can't do what he does up there. I can't necessarily sing, but I can live my life so that it's an ornament for Jesus. How many of you can just live your life as an ornament, right? And you know if you do that, you know what you're going to hear? Well done, good and faithful servant. You know those verses about giving someone a cup of water and clothing someone? What was that all about? Making Jesus attractive. Being an ornament in ways that nobody saw, in ways that aren't up front, in ways in Haiti when nobody sees what you go through and you go through. All you're doing was making Jesus attractive. Wait, man, why you come to Haiti? Why you come to Mexico? Well, let me tell you. Let me tell you, right? And then finally, we'll close. 2 Corinthians 5. If you'll turn there. 2 Corinthians 5. <clears throat> 2 Corinthians 5. 17. Start there. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. All this from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against him. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Here we go, verse 20. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. You're Christ's ambassador. Now, as ambassador, is that a privilege or a punishment? It's a privilege. To be the ambassador to the United States, to be given that privilege, position to go represent the United States in other countries, we're Christ's ambassadors. I can't think of a higher calling. We are citizens of heaven in a foreign land. The United States is our foreign land. Amen. We are citizens of heaven and wherever, wherever you go, when we say break, work, school, home, you're his ambassador. You represent Christ with the message of reconciliation that begins with how you live. We gather on Sundays and then we're dispersed to be light, salt, ambassadors for Christ. You see, when you understand this and you take the time, here's the crazy thing. You're going to see yourself differently at work. It's no longer just work. It's I... I'm an ambassador. I'm an ambassador here. I got some significance. The King of Kings and the Lord of Lords has planted me here. Hmm? My neighborhood. The King of Kings and the Lord of Lords has planted me in my neighborhood around these neighbors. I'm an ambassador in my street. It changes everything when you begin to understand it's all for His glory. You're to make him attractive because you're already called an ambassador. You are an ambassador. So wherever you go today, you don't have to wear this. But see what it does. See what it does. And what is the root of it all? Love. This is not a message. Please don't take this as a, oh, Pastor Richie just was beating us up all day. No. You know why? It's love. We sang about His amazing grace. The Bible says, He who loves much, He who is forgiven much, loves much. Let Christ's love overwhelm you. Fall deeply and passionately in love with Him. And by default, you're going to want to live a life that pleases Him. By default. It'll just, it'll just start to ooze out of you. Why? 
love. Love. All right? band's going to come up. We're going to sing a song before we do communion. It's a song that talks about God's amazing love. So let's pray as they get, as they get ready. Lord, thank You. Thank You, thank You, thank You that You are very clear about our purpose, even why we're here today. We are here to glorify You. We are here that together we would declare Your praise. And Father, right now I confess, it's not been an easy week, two weeks, three weeks, as I have been confronted with my own self-centeredness, my own selfishness, the various areas in my own life where I quite frankly have been living for myself. And so, Father, we're just open books before you. And Lord, search our hearts. And we come before you, and if you reveal these areas in our life that we have been living for ourselves, we want to confess it. We want to have a change of mind. It's called repentance. We want to just turn our mind. And we want to live for you. Just live for you. For your glory as your ambassador to make our lives ornaments, attractive to Jesus. And if you're here and you've never put your faith in Christ, the very first step to making your life attractive is to put your faith in Christ. To come to Jesus and say, Lord, Jesus, I believe you died for my sins. I believe that I need reconciliation with God. The Bible says we're saved by grace through faith. And so if you've never put your faith in Christ as your Savior, the best way you know how, talk to God, even during this song. Trust Him. Believe on Jesus that He died and paid the price for your sins. And purpose in your heart to rest fully on His finished work and to live a life that adorns Him, that glorifies Him. Will we stand together? I notice all of you are wearing a name tag. Don't feel compelled to have to wear the name tag out when you leave the doors today. Let your life reflect the name Christ has given you. Christian, little Christ, follower of Jesus. Amen? We'll leave with this. As we leave, may we just be salt and light in a dark world. Amen? May we leave here this morning and just be ambassadors for Christ. The greatest privilege that there is with or without the name tag. May God bless you as you choose to walk with Him this week until we meet again. You're dismissed.